so yesterday when we examined the righteousness of god today i want to talk on trusting in the righteousness of god what i'm trying to do this evening is just to continue from where we stopped yesterday on god's righteousness when i started i made clear right away that we won't be able to get through what the lord is showing us and to some extent we were able to raise some issues we saw genesis chapter 33 uh, sorry um exodus chapter 33 and 34 and then we make references to some other scriptures too from that Exodus chapter 33, chapter 34, we saw that Moses requested to see the glory of God. And we saw God's argument with him that he would not show him his glory, rather, he would show him his goodness. And by that, we concluded that the righteousness of God also covers his goodness. And the goodness of a person is his gesture is welcoming response or attitude to others it is is um it is is accommodation ability to accommodate others so uh, we saw that the lord said you will not just let moses see his goodness rather i want him Sorry, we don't make Moses to see his glory. Rather, we want him to see his goodness. And he made the goodness pass before him. So, we went ahead to see God's purpose in giving the law. Why the law failed man. The purpose of the law. We saw what unrighteousness is and all of that. Then we grounded off by trusting God. To give us more grace to trust him and hope for a better future that our inclinations our impressions that has that have not been aligned to god especially the area of our trust for him where finances and other provisions are concerned now today we are going to cons- consider trusting the righteousness of god and you know the lord had been taking us through this lecture progressively he had showed us weeks ago why we need to trust his grace and then from there he took us to another point where he made us realize that there is rest for us in the grace and then again we saw that the grace came from god from the lord jesus christ and he didn't just give this grace as um what he just need to give although it's not enough for him no he gave that grace out of the fullness he has the word of god says in first john chapter one that of his fullness have we received grace for grace so here today we want to look at the righteousness of god in exodus chapter 3 verse 13 to 14 god revealed himself to moses for the first time what we saw yesterday was not God revealing most revealing himself to Moses. It was Moses daring to ask to know the worth of God. 
he had known God. At least he had been um, with God on the mountain for, for, for 40 days. He had heard from him. He had seen the glory cloud. But he believed there should be something more about this God who has the capability of pro- providing for them in the wilderness and protecting them such that wild beasts would not hurt them. So he dared to ask that God, I mean the God of his fathers, who has introduced himself to be a consistent God, a, 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 a God that does not change, to dare reveal his glory. But today I want to start right away from the encounter Moses had with God. And that is recorded in Exodus chapter 3 from 13 and 14. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I came unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, has sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. I am that I am. And I said, Thus shall thou say unto the children of Israel, I am as sent you as sent me unto you yet the lord seeks to establish to moses the fact that is unchangeable i am that is i have been and what i have been is what i am and what i am is what i will be that nothing at all for any reason has ever affected who i am i am consistent i can't fail for any reason so tell them that the one that is dealing with them now is like the gods they have known in egypt who is not consistent who can be replaced this almighty God was the same God who revealed himself to your father Abraham. And from that time up to this time, he has shown himself to Moses. He remains the same person. And this becomes a stronghold and the basis by which we can connect to God. We can assure our hearts that come what me, God remains faithful. Your debts, I mean the money you are owing, cannot change God. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1, it reads, and I quote, In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah wrote, I also saw the Lord seated on the throne. And a strength through the temple. What does that tell us? Nothing affects God. The changes of kingdom, the rise and fall of kingdoms, the death of great men like Uzziah. Economy does not affect God. 
your debt. Even when it seems your home is going to crash, your aspirations, your ambitions, your pursuits, your delight, your excitement, all just seems to dash in the middle. And it seems God is farther than you thought he is. May you know today that he is the I am. He has not changed. And if it seems in your walk with God, there is a kind of disconnection. Maybe you have gotten another knowledge that because of your disposition, because of your commitment, God is mad at you. God does not care that you have to fend for yourself. That if you don't stand to plan your life, God is not interested in your life. He has given you a life and whatever happens to it is your own matter. Is it? Is another knowledge. It's not correct. God is not just involved in your life. He runs it if you allow him to. You are not a coincidence. He planned you. You know, sometimes when we nearly came to the Lord, our work with, with God was exacted. We had this vibe to pray, this vibe to worship. Before we ask anything, we receive. Then after a while, it seems as though the Lord is farther from us. Or we pray over some things and we don't receive answers. There are matters we keep questioning over. We raise them in the place of prayer and they seems not to be addressed to you they will begin to question promises from scriptures but the lord said but why is it not like this he is the i am he has not changed and that's why the word of god says to the righteous i will show myself righteous and to the to the to the pro forward, the pro word rather somebody that's not straightforward i will let that person know i am not I will present myself to that person as not being straightforward. So you have got to know, amongst other things you know about God, that God is ever consistent. And as a result of this, I think these facts, these divine facts, should make you to rest. Apostle Paul wrote, In Timothy or so, he said, God is faithful. God is faithful. That is in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3. He said, The Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from falling. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you. Such is the God we, we are working with. We can so trust Him. Is ever dependable. The only thing it will not intervene into your life is that thing you hide away from him. I don't want to care what you are going through, how difficult it is with you, and you are like hey, getting drawn in the water. The flood is covering you up. If you can dare, look at the case of Peter. It was Christ who called him to walk on water. 
And because he was not consistent, and that's the challenge with some of us. We profess to know God, but we have not been consistent with him in our works. We are not faithful. Today we are on fire, tomorrow we are water. We are firebrand today, tomorrow we are something else. Like Peter, we are not consistent. Today we say he's the son of God. Tomorrow we say, hey, I'm going out fishing. The next day we say, to whom shall we go? Thou have the word of life. The next day we say, look, I want to go and fish. Inconsistency. And anyone who wants to be profit from his work with God, he has to be ready to devote all his time. Was it from the book of Ezekiel? I was reading this morning. I think that should be chapter 13 or chapter 12. Certain guys came to Ezekiel to inquire of him. And when they came, God had given Ezekiel a gist about them. That look, those guys who came to inquire of him, he said, I will, not, I will not attend to them. Because although they came to ask of him, but they are not sincere. They, they, they have this idol on their heart. I said, look, even if at all I want to attend to them, I will attend to them according to the idol in their heart. God is ever consistent. And that's what we are going to be seeing from the book of Psalms. We want to see his faithfulness. In the previous study, we have captured what his faithfulness is, and we are going to take a look at. I'm going to be highlighting that in statements today. I tell you, if your heart is not pure, you won't see God. You will not see Him. Like the apostles on the way to Emmaus, Christ was walking with them, but the Bible says that their eyes were restrained. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in that for they shall see God. In other words, if the heart is not pure, they won't assess God. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no one shall see God. Plainness of heart. As we behold in the mirror. The glory of God. We are being changed to the same image like He is. But that's when you see Him like He is. So our right perception of God matters. I know people around the world have tried to quantify God. Although Apostle Paul told us in Romans chapter 1 that His invisible nature are clearly for the things that are visible. So man wants to use their logic, their ideology, philosophy, the rational mind, nature, custom, practices to relate with God. You can't. We have to know God on the basis of who He is, not by our own perception. Yes, we can understand father child relationship, and from father child relationship, we can compare what God's relationship would be. But I tell you, God's relationship with people is more superb. Because God is more willing and He does do. He does do rather, far more than an earthly father can do. For instance, God cannot disown you. Those matters you have a sleepless night over, maybe you have the least. Because you are 30 years, so nobody is coming to propose to you, you want to kill yourself. You have not seen the faithfulness of God. What do you think would make people like Zachariah and his wife, Elizabeth, the Bible said they were both righteous and they have advanced in age, but there is an issue in their life that is yet addressed. But those guys will not backslide. They will not cause God. 
In fact, they were still even serving God in their old days. They were not resenting. You know, today, we, we deal with God as if we're in a contract. We tell him, God, do this. If you don't do this, I go back. Or we don't do this, you find alternatives. If a lot of Christians are like Apostle Paul, they would have backfired. That although the grace is over their life, and they labor more than all, they are putting their best into, in, in, into the service of God. They are laboring for the welfare of the brethren, but there is a throne in their own life that God seems not to address. Brother, there is a rest for you. And I want to tell you, you can trust God over that delay. Who told you ministry is going to be difficult for you? Or parenting is going to be a tough thing? Or you won't have enough to feed your family? You know, there are a lot of people there who are indecisive because they feel that the resources they have now to do what is coming on their heart is not enough. And because that they sit idle. Can you learn from those innocent lepers? In Second Kings chapter 7, if I'm not wrong, chapter 7 or so. There was no food. And God would not even use those who are whole and healthy. He used lepers. And what did he do and how did he use them? He only put thought on their minds. They did not have the human efforts. The human energy and perfection. To put even, not even soldiers, even two men, two empty men to flight let alone soldiers, let alone a whole city. But when they followed their inclination, they just trusted their inclinations. And God in the camp of the Assyria made the, where is even the feet of the lepers? Does lepers have feet? Maybe on their cart. Maybe they crawl with their buttocks. But they were lepers. You know who a leper is? Their fingers and toes are big tough. They were outcast. But these people would believe the inclination and the impression God is giving to them. And through them, the Lord changed the economy of a whole nation. We need men who can trust God. But like Abraham will not look at the deadness of their body. What is not working in their life. And when they come to God, they will not be so embittered that what they really want to report is that which in, in their life is not working. So Zachariah and Elizabeth, they advanced in age and they were not sinners. The word of God said they were both righteous. You know, if it had been that it was that Zechariah was righteous with us, okay, one of the reasons why Zechariah did late was because maybe the wife was not in agreement in faith, and each time the Lord wants to get across to them, the wife is the one antagonizing, is not aligning himself, and because that the Lord cannot bring the blessing upon the group. The Bible said they were both. Not sometimes that God will just allow certain things to be. Not because he does not have the capability to correct him, the present situation we are going through. Your boss is just difficult on you. You don't know why. You've done everything to please him and he puts this pressure on you. You can't just explain. If you are not wise, you can begin to grumble. You know, a senior colleague shared with me what made him build his house early. 
said the landlady they used to have the actually the, uh, the apartment they got was not too conducive it was a room and parlor self uh, a room and parlor self contained contain rather so in the room and parlor is the toilet and the bedroom and the bedroom is not far from the room they are not just convenient in short and besides the fact that they are not convenient their boss was a tax master very forceful very unfriendly you know when we have issues with people out there we don't just present and react you don't just allow their feelings and perceptions crowd our set judgment and relationship with god you know some people they can make you bitter that you are so angry that you you you, you, you act in your nerve not by the spirit or the leading of the holy ghost so the woman so put pressure on them and that pressure helps them to complete their house And anytime he wants to talk about how he became a property owner, he will thank the intolerance of his boss. Sometimes God has a way of putting pleasure, pressure on you, not because he hates you. But in all this, you must know that he loves you. Meanwhile, you have to understand that sometimes when things are not working well, God loves us. He can't cast us out. We have been redeemed. We have been bought. And in the book, in the book of um, Hebrews chapter 9, we are made to understand that the offering of the body of Christ is an offering that has eternal value. It can't fail. We have been redeemed. The covenant we came into is superior and always better than the covenant God initiated with Abraham. We are not made righteous because we are doing things rightly or because we are the head to codes of conduct by some angels we are made righteous because god exacted that nature in us he imputed it imputation is not that simple now the, the, the word imputation is just a way of saying that god accounted it that what christ did we are the one who did it So all that Christ suffered, he suffered for me, so that I can be free. Romans chapter 4, the last verse. That he died, so that I can be free. So we want to see the righteousness of God. But here today we want to look at the comparative scriptures. We are going to be looking at the Psalms. Hallelujah. And uh, we have lending scriptures to consider i don't know how we go about them when you read through the book of the psalms you will soon conclude as the writers did that god is good that he is faithful that is a loving father the goal of the writer is not to present a powerful god but a loving father who is concerned about you and who can be known intimately that's the goal of god but you know we can begin to be afraid of our dealings with god you know some people they see god to be a very terrific god roman i said romans exodus chapter 20 where god came from on mount sinai and he spoke powerfully his voice thundered everybody was running back, back, back. he has come he has come he has come in fact they told us that do not let him talk to us do not let him talk to us they were scared of god and even the year that god is come they were hiding 
So some people's ideology of God is that hey, God is difficult. Or maybe they are they 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 are in pain, they believe that hey, this pain is on me because God is testing us. God cannot put pains on you to test your faith. You know, Papa Agin shared a case of a woman that was uh diseased. She had an infirmity and she was in pains. And Papa again went praying for her, and then when she got there, she told Baba again that Baba again should not bother praying for her because God was testing her faith by putting sickness on you. How can God put pains on you because He's testing your faith? God does not do that. God is faithful. He does not inflict either one. First Corinthians chapter 15, Apostle Paul said, God is not the author of confusion. Do you know what confusion means? Somebody that causes problem. You know, if you have been privileged to walk amongst children sometimes, in the children's church, when they are crowded and the pastor asks them to pray, you see when they close somebody's behind, preaching the other, running to the other side, pinch another run, causing confusion. And say, hey, you are the one that pinched me, he's beating the other person. And the one that pinched him has moved to the other extremity. God does not do that. He does not cause problems. He does not cause problems. He will not tell husband, husband, cook eba, and tell the wife, do not allow your husband to cook eba, cook a widow, and they are fighting. Abraham experienced a confusion in his soul. He was so confused that God had to intervene and set the matter to, to allow him to accuse. So all the confusion and the riddles you have in your life is item you pay attention to God. Even in the riddles, God is speaking in the storms. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. Solomon said to know wisdom, to know discretion, to know understanding, to be able to dissolve videos, the wise we hear and keep hearing. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Pay attention to your father and your mother, and it shall be well with you. He said, This word you pay attention will be an ornament of grace. Ornament means beauty, gem, rubbish, decoration, grace upon your heart. Now, what does that tell us? There is a place we can assess the grace of God. But before we can come to that place, you have got to de develop a trust in the Lord that God cannot fail us. Come with me. Come with me. God made a covenant with Abraham 400 years earlier before there was a manifestation. God said your children will be in a, in, in a strange land for, for 400 years. In fact, from the time God revealed to Abraham, and uh, the, the, the time of their captivity was about 250 years, if I'm not wrong. I did the calculation some time ago. And when they went back to you, they spent another 400 years, 430 years. Added to the time God revealed to Abraham, about 500 something years, and God kept to his promises. The Bible said when, we, when he led them through the wilderness, although they were little fragments, he never allowed people to do them wrongs. Why was he protecting them? Not because those guys had any dealings or any relationship with him. In fact, they only cried to God as a result of the pains they were going through. Not because they, know, they knew God personally. But God had to respond to their cry because he had caught a covenant with their father they never knew about. That is faithfulness. God is not a cheat. And we don't need to cut the covenant. His relationship is not based on the fact that he blessed Abraham. Really, Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 4 said that those who are of the faith of the children of Abraham, that is good and said to But look, I have, it was not Abraham that died for me. Abraham was not beaten for me. Okay? All the dealings of Abraham, he, his life was just a model. He was the receiver of the promise. But the promise became fulfilled in Christ. Christ became my savior. 
and Christ told us that God so loved him. That is uh, John chapter 3, I think verse 35, six, the Father loved the Son that had given everything to him. I think John chapter 5, I'm not wrong. He said that the Father judges to what he has committed the judgment to the Son. So everything is given to the Son. The Son has become our redemption. So I don't need to fear. My basis of dealing with God is the basis of what Christ has done. And we do know that God is faithful. So God wants to be intimate with us. But he knows that nobody wants to deal with anybody there is no intimacy. You know, sometimes ago, one of my friends used to come to my house and I want to know about that is that he wants to know your friends very well. If he had not seen a particular person coming to check on you, that day he has his duties. You guys kill him and want me back. Even the Leo, man, I call it point out. So like that. He warned you. No, he was not trying to criticize. He wants to know the person. Something like that. If you go and pick something here and said he has, he's your friend, you just come and pick the two of you and they carry the two of you. Don't call me when they come to pick the two of you. He's just warning you. Credibility. Even you as a human, you don't just pick friends carelessly. Because your friend can make your mind. There are people who have made friends with, with a criminal. You know, I saw a video on the Facebook some days ago. The Sats came into the property of a man and they met a woman and then they arrested the woman and they came arresting the man. They met this young lady who came into the property of the man. The man lived in a very big house. And that was why God told Moses, I will not show you my glory, I will show you my person. You know what people see is the glory. You just saw somebody in a in a cool automobile automobile. And your body stood, hey, see money. Meanwhile, you never knew that he was a criminal or is a criminal. Is the ritual killer. All you saw is the glamorous display of wealth around you. You never knew his person. So when those paramilitary guys came into the compound, they saw the woman, they arrested him. And when they begin to chat him up, the woman said they met two weeks ago at the cafe and then he said he needs some things. And the woman said that thing. So the woman came that day to pass the night. The man that is not, you know, people in the world are suffering. The man that's not your wife, I mean, your husband, you just saw him. You saw that he, he has such large investment like that. Can a man be such large like that and there will not be a woman behind him? So he followed the man. So when they came to arrest the man, they begin to tell the woman that the man he, he had just known for two weeks and he packed in with is a criminal they've been looking for. The woman was crying and putting it, her, head, her hands over her head that she's an innocent, she just finished serving, and she just came and all of that. But ignorance is not good thing. So God in revealing himself to us wants us to know his personality that is ever committed. It cannot change. You know, when dad was sick and was in pains, I know my siblings were praying for him, but personally I prayed for him. And I expected him to heal up. He didn't heal. He was in pains. My mother prayed, had VGs, administered all we could, he used drugs, yet the doctor cannot diagnose the answer. But we still trusted God. In fact, the day my father passed on, my mother was still singing. 
although she was crying, but she was present. She was not cursing. You must come to the point, like Job, that nothing on earth moves you. I was listening to uh, Reverend Tolu Adigboye. There was, a, there was a particular time when he was at the age of 28 years, he was owing 38 million or so. 38 million. A young man of 28 years. He said they had delayed the marriage. He never married her. He was 38 years. And these are the things that makes people to be restless. They are just disturbed. That hey, they are now 25, no man is coming. They are now 30, no man is proposing. They have just completed their education, there's no job. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Okay, it was my friend who told me about a man. He's an investor, invests in forests. And something happened. He blew his account. Millions of money, I think 18 million or more than. And the man committed suicide because of 18 million error. He never knew his God. I like what Reverend Toladebo said. He said, God is so faithful that if things become more expensive that you cannot afford, you don't have enough resources, then God will raise and will ensure that you enjoy more, more favor. Papa again wrote in one of his works, the patterns of God's work, that regardless of the economy, regardless of the situation in the nation, God had completed what he wants to do with the new creature. Let the economy be bad. Let things go from bad to worse. You see God swing into action. Look how they just concluded a lockdown coronavirus. People were in. Meanwhile, they were palliatives. But the government will not release it to the citizens. But go and ask people individually, especially people who are the work with God. They will tell you specifically that God raised air. He opened doors. He that feed the leaves, shall he not feed the oil of little faith? I know we can't exhaust the content of the Psalms that really spoke of God's faithfulness. Because the synopsis of the whole scriptures is there. Of the whole Exodus, Leviticus, Number, and Deuteronomy, Judges, and even the Kings, and Chronicles, the summary. The psalmist did a, a synopsis from Psalm 101 through, one, two, through, through Psalm 108. You are going to take a few look at those verses. And there's something. God is doing. He wants us to see who he is so that we can relate with him better. So the goal of the writers of the book of Psalms is to present to us a more consistent father in order to make us know him intimately by how he deals. He, they want us to see the matchlessness of God among so many other claim God. That is what the psalmist is trying to present. They are not just trying to give us rhymes. And start singing rap from the book of Psalms. No. The book of Psalms is not just a prayer book. They are testimonies. If you cannot think of anybody who had received help from God, go and read those books in the book of Psalms. If you have been sold, you know I was going recently, I think last two weeks, I was listening to audio Bibles. I listened from Psalm 1. To Psalm 20. 
again. You know, I was afraid. I just see that there is this confidence. The, the psalmist expressed in God. That when the water rises against me as though it will cover my soul. When the enemy come and they want to sniff or squeeze life out of me, you see God come to my rescue. Even when I'm helpless. Can you develop such a consciousness that there is a defense in God? And this is a generation where everybody is looking for a powerful God. A God that when he descends, smoke is coming from his eyes, from his smoke. And fire is coming, they are clapping. He has come, he has come. He, 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 he. They are singing around him. And he's opening his mouth, fire is coming out. But he's a, deceit, he's a deceptive God. He will tell you, hey, hey, Jamie is your husband. Jamie is your husband. You must say, it's not Jamie, I've seen Jamie. I've seen Jamie. I'll give it to Moses. Those inconsistent gods. They will say, hey, it's your year of miracle, it's your year of miracle. And at the same time, it wants to be your year of miracle before, but I change it, I change it, I have changed it for you. Why, why is he always changing it? Yeah, God is faithful. And you can rest in this faithfulness. That is our confidence. Paul said, God is faithful. And we have confidence in this. It's our boldness. Why do you think a pastor will just come to the pulpit, see somebody that the scripture will lay his hand upon the person? Not because God has spoken to him that that person is going to walk. And if the person does not walk, does not change anything about the battle. The person will not lock up the pastor. Why did, why did I not walk? He can't hold the pastor. He's the pastor of God. But the pastor will express his confidence in God. So do not just look for a powerful God. Look for a God that is faithful. Of what is the powerful God? But it's not faithful. You know, in the Yoruba mythology, uh, we, we learned about the, the story of Ogun and Oya. And we learned that Ogun kept his power with Oya. Then, one day when the enemies came to attack Ogun, and he asked Oya about the power, and Oya could not find the power again. Ogun became so disappointed, is he Oguno? Is Shongo? Is he Shongo? Just that mythology. I think it should be Shongo. Yes, Shongo. Koya, yes, Shongo. So Shongo committed. No, Shongo. Shongo out of annoyance. He was so disappointed in his beloved wife. Although Yatu was a goddess, very powerful goddess, but he was a faithless goddess. And Shongo to so stupid God that he cannot control his anger. He had to metamorphosize and became fire. Those are not gods, they are deities. If they are real human beings and they did not know Jesus Christ, they are eternally lost. But bless God, we are better off. Thank God I'm not to go, I'm to sin. And I know Jesus. Ogu will be, <laughs> Ogu will be blaming himself. <laughs> blame Those who are still calling his name today, if, if he is opportune to see, they will be some. Why are you calling my name? Call Jesus. Because when Ogun is there, perhaps he's calling Jesus. But it's too late for Ogun. So stop looking for a powerful God. Look for a God who has credibility. Now, how many of you will buy something? You see, you, you went to, uh, to, to, to a seller's shop and said you want to buy a product and it tells you, that, okay, I have to. This one is fake and this one is original. How many of you will buy a fake? Nobody wants to buy anything fake. 
So the first thing God wants to present about himself to you is that he's original. He said, I am the law. Beside me, there is none. It's the way of saying that, look, this is me. I am the original. I'm not fake. You can't be so sure that you've gotten the, the real thing. I like the way Apostle Peter put it. He said, I want to understand that, that this is the true gospel we are in you stand. It's the real thing. It's the real deal. Second Peter chapter 1. He said that we have not followed a cunningly devised fable. This thing, we were eyes witnesses. We touched it. You can rest in God's trust. That's the point. God is not just powerful. He's an impregnable God. Meanwhile, like I said yesterday, my objective is one thing. As we begin to take a fresh look at this subject, we want to examine God's righteousness as his faithfulness so that you can know that he is dependable all days. You can trust him. He cares. If he does not care, as Apostle Peter wouldn't have written, you cast your care upon him. Don't bear it. Don't wear it all around. Stop sighing. Stop being bitter. Stay with the Father. So we want to see what the scripture has told us actually about the righteousness of God. Romans chapter 1 verse 7, the apostle Paul said that it is in the gospel of Christ the righteousness of God is revealed. It is when we come to Christ, we begin to see God as he is. Because we have carried another knowledge of God, that God is bitter with you. That God does not like you because of your attributes. That, you know, I got talking to somebody sometimes ago. I think he had a quarrel with somebody and all of that. It was on a Monday morning. We just got talking. And I said, didn't go to church the day before. And I asked why. I said, because, you know, if he goes to church, God will not answer his prayer because he's calling to your husband. I said, there is nothing, in fact, that I'm having an issue with the person should be one of the reasons why I have to search that issue so I can connect with the Father. I don't want to speak too much. I want us to, to see the scriptures. We want to see what the scripture meant by God's righteousness. Now, for instance, Hebrews chapter 6 speaks about the immutability of his counsel. Now, let's see that Hebrews chapter 6. To see that God is ever dependable. And you can trust him because you are not the first person to deal with him. He has dealt with people. Abraham was one of them. Hallelujah. Let's read from um, verse 9. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 9. We have a verses to look at. We want to establish the faithfulness of God, the righteousness of God, as God's faithfulness. Actually, I have highlighted 15 things I want to tell you about God's righteousness. We should make you... You know, the aim of this, one of the aims of this talk is just to inspire your faith in God. That you have this unresolving, uncompromising faith. 
a faith that is resolute, that is decisive, that is daring. A trust nothing can shake, no demon can shake. Verse chapter 6. Verse 9. But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accomplish salvation, though we do speak. Verse 10. For God is not unrighteous. Mark that word. God is not unfaithful. Now, by the context of this scripture, the word unrighteous means it's not unfaithful. So, the righteousness of God includes his faithfulness, his commitment, his dealings. That nothing can affect his deal, his commitment, his involvement in your life. Come what me is there for you. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Now let's jump. Verse 13. For when God, now, we have seen, this, 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 this author has told us, God is not righteous. It's not unrighteous. It's not unfaithful. We can trust him. We can cling on it. Even though those things he has told you really, you can't trust him. He's not unrighteous. Okay? To forget your labor. To forget your struggle. To forget your sweat. To forget your prayers. Look at the parable Christ told about the unrighteous judge. And the persistent will. Who will trouble that judge? And Christ said, even though that judge does not respect God no man, he's an evil, he's unlike God, is an unrighteous person. is a judge that is given to bribe, that is given to favorism, that does not respect the person, respect the, 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 the person or, or, or person. I don't like that. Sometimes I want to say, respect uh, persons. Let me put it that way. I think that's most simple. He said, because of the persistence of this, we do. The guy will consider doing something. How much of God that is righteous? We don't even need, well, there's no bad thing about him being persistent concerned that work with God. But we don't need to disturb God. He's our father, he cares. Now, I've been telling, I've been told us that God is not a righteousness to forget. The labor of our love to him. Then in verse 13, he cited the example of Abraham. Now let's read that. And when God made promise to Abraham, because he could not swear by no greater, he swore by himself. Now, why did God need to swear by Abraham? So I saw Abraham that he can't fail. That's righteousness. And he looked at every look at it. He wanted somebody to be a witness. Another scripture is, is, is swinging my heart. Uh, Romans chapter 10. For scarcely can a righteous man, for a righteous man, what we dare die. But God, while we are yes in Christ died for us. That's faithfulness. He does not wait until you are morally balanced before he deals with it. 
he just recognized Romans chapter 10, whoever shall call on the name of the Lord, whether you are a Muslim or a Christian, accept the Lordship of Christ and call upon him, he will attend to you. So God was not just curious to establish a relationship with Abraham, or Abraham curious to establish a relationship with God. In the relationship, God assured Abraham of his unchangeableness. That is righteousness, faithfulness. And to actually see this, really, we have to see this in the life of Christ. That he brought us to himself. He washed us. He said, your iniquity I will remember no more. So that nothing can stand in between our relationship with him. In fact, in, in, in Ephesians chapter 2, we learn that he had removed away the middle wall of partition so that we can have easy access. So where is the inferiority complex coming from? Don't let the devil shoot you. God loves you. Just believe his love. Let's read on. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could not swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely, surely, say, surely, blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Watch it. God is sworn. God has sworn. But that is sworn does not mean that that thing God told him is going to do with him happened instantaneously. He has to wait for it. And that's where the challenge comes. We receive promises from God, but we are not ready to wait. We are not ready to tarry. We want it quick. A generation that cannot wait. A micro, what is it called? A micro generation. Everything is fast. Microwave. We don't want to wait. We don't want to experience stress. We don't want to be inconvenient. You pray it for two hours or for three days, it does not come, you forget it and seek alternatives. Nobody can deal with God on that basis. And if you have this lackadaisical and lack of tenaciousness in your work with God, you can't, you can't make any meaningful ends of it. But you must set to this. I want you to know that you can, you can take your life to God's promises. Until that nature of God that is faithful is expressing you, and that's why we have made the righteousness of God. That as God is, we are. That men can trust us. That they know. I know, Mister Gbadi, when he tells you, look at what that what that Psalm tells us, Psalm twenty-four, who we who, who we are sent to the hill of God. He that has a cleaner and a pure heart, he who has sworn to his own oath, and we not deny it or revert it or retract it. That is faithfulness. That is righteousness. And Apostle John told us that anybody that practices this is born of God. This is God's nature too. Just as love is God's nature. You know, as I was meditating, it occurred to me that even righteousness is the mother of God's love. Because nobody will trust a criminal, no matter, no matter how nice he poses. That you trust one's love, one's business, one's offer is rooted in his righteousness. Nobody deals with a shit. So the love of God is rooted in his righteousness. We can receive his love because we know it's faithful. So 
So after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. So why does God need to, to, to swear? Because God knows that humanly speaking, man in their dealings with one another or with each other does not believe until they strike a deal by covenant look at abimelech and abraham the two of them have spoken abimelech has pleaded and has as 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 apologized to abraham but the two of them still have to court covenant the bible said that the reason why there is this kind of transactions because that brings a kind of conviction that they cannot fail each other and god knowing the nature of man presented himself in such way that he wants he wants abraham to be so sure that he cannot fail him he made promises he swore by himself he swore by himself it was the deed of the contract. So we can trust God. Over your health, you can trust God. You can tarry over your children and receive promises from them. And wait on God on those promises are expressed to you. That's the confidence we have. We have this confidence that God can fail. Verse 7 we are in God willing more abundantly now. Check this. God trying to prove his faithfulness, that he is righteous. Never forget how this chapter started. In verse 10, that God is unrighteous. And this writer begins to give us basis of that righteousness. How that has been demonstrated in God's name with others. Verse 17. Wherein God willing more abundantly to, to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed with an oath. Check it. It was Abraham that received the promise. And when Abraham is out of the sin, those who came who did not even knew Abraham, God established his covenant. He had the covenant had with Abraham with them, and God willing more to make them to be aware that the same covenant he had with their father as the oath, he confirmed it with an oath. What is an oath? An oath is an agreement, a covenant, a deal, a seal that cannot feel, that is binding. Come what me. God does not just initiate covenant and abandons it. He does not just bring us to himself and does not cater for us. He saved us, he washed us, he restored us, and everything we need for life and godliness, he has provided it. First Peter chapter 1, from verse 3. He has given us all things that pertain to faithfulness. He provided everything we need, we need to sustain over. So whenever... It occurred to you that you are in need of something. Whatever it is, be it automobile, be it, be, 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 be it uh, a property. Just go to the Father. You know, I got talking with uh, a senior colleague yesterday also, and she told me that um, she knew a sister at a particular time. She started an egg business, and then um, she did not have a, a vehicle to convey a I go from one point to the other. So she spoke to God about it. Then one day, 
and she, she, she just got talking with somebody and the person just told her passively, I have this boss in my house, lying fallow, I wanted to give it out, I don't know what to give. Meanwhile, the woman had prayed months back or weeks back that God should supply that. And just like that, she received that. So that some things you just tell God jokingly, if you can't trust him, he will give you. God is faithful. We are in God, willing my body to show unto the heirs of promise the immortality of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immovable things in which it was impossible. So the deeds of this contract God initiated were those things that God for nothing can deny. He got himself involved. He looked at the whole level, nobody could reach up to him. He, of course, on earth, nobody can be compared to him. And he swore by himself. He said, By myself, I'm the greatest on earth and in heaven. He was involved. So God's righteousness involves and includes his involvement in the matter. He became and he becomes a guarantee. By two unchangeable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie, for him not to be fatal, for him not to be consistent, for him to deceive, for him to deny the deal. Now, as a result of that faithfulness, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Now, what are these three multiple things? Number one, himself. Because he swore by himself. Okay, let's read verse We are in God willing more apparently to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his cancer, confirmed it by an oath. So, and by two immutable things in which it was impossible to God to lie. So, what is that immutable thing? Two immutable things. Number one, God Himself was involved in the contract. Again, he involved it with an oath. So, it's what is involved. And this, the Hebrew says, the writer of the Hebrew says, should give us consolation. We should relax. There is hope. If God is involved in the matter, there is hope. Little wonder God, uh, I mean, Christ told his disciples, he said, things that are impossible with man are possible with God. So how does things impossible for man become possible with me? I have got to be on the side of God. Because if I'm on the side of God, I take God's strength, I make it mine. If I could make God's strength mine, that which is impossible for me naturally will become possible because I have got God. When God is involved in the matter, the solution is uh, inevitable. It's in view. It's undeniable. Nothing can, can, can restrain it. So we can have a strong consolation. Who are fled to refuge. That is you and I. I was talking to a group of learners this afternoon. I told them, the world is going to become more terrible. That is scriptural. The devil will bait the world and deceive people. Commotion and war, confusion, war, 
famine, death. We feed the nation of the head. Persecution. But there is a refuge. A refuge is the place of security. Psalm 91. He that lives in the secret place shall bow under the shadow of the mind. I shall say, it's my shield. So there is a protective device. A support system in God. Little wonder. One of the metaphors that describes God is the rock. The rock of our salvation. Another metaphor is the arm of our salvation. That talks about defense. There is a defense system in God. That we can fall back on. We can rest on. The writers of the book of Hebrews say that there is a strong consolation for those of us who have come for refuge. And that refuge is salvation. We found it in Christ. To lay hold on the hope that set before us. Which hope we have as an anchor of our soul. The hope of resurrection. The hope for a brighter future. We are saved by hope, the scripture says. So I can be relaxed. If I can pray, I can have solutions. I can have desired results. If my people that are called by my name, carefully Christians don't pray these days. You can change anything whatsoever if you can talk to the Father about it. Except it's not his will. So we saw God's faithfulness. Hallelujah. So God is righteous. And that's why in his dealings with us, he asks us to be holy because he's holy. Holiness means that he's plain, he's pure. He's sacred, he's separated. Or why have you think God required that anyone who will walk with him should be holy or plain? Because that is who he is. God is not a double standard God. There are people that can't just be trusted, okay? But God's not like those ones. There are people that you cannot deal with because they lack integrity. But God can be dealt with. Nobody wants to live with someone that doesn't have integrity. And that's why really anybody who has come to know God will be a person, first a person of integrity. Not that somebody called you to help you do something like the guy gave some money to some time ago to help me do something. The guy. All the tomorrow I didn't say nothing. And he collected several hundreds of several thousands from me. So anybody who have come to the knowledge of God will be righteous, will be plain, we have integrity. All these things we call morals and values, integrity, um, discipline, truthfulness, sincerity, and all of those concepts, they are not concepts, they are realities. And no natural man can actually adhere to them. Their spiritual culture, their God's nature. The men are seen, but they lack the strength to practice.
So why do you think people are not righteous? They can't deal with themselves with trust. They can't trust each other in business. You see business partners. Bewitching each other. It is because they have not come into the knowledge of God. If they really know that God is righteous, God is clean, and they have come to see God, they will see that they are not how they ought to be. That's the righteousness. A man in the state, he ought to be. And the only place a man is restored back to the state ought to be, the state he lost, is in Christ. It is in Christ who see God. And when a man sees God, he sees himself as he ought to be. That was why Apostle John said, anyone who does righteousness is born of God. So righteousness is a spiritual identity, by it we know God's people. Anybody see that is a liar, is not God's people. He has not known God. It is the blood of Jesus Christ that washed away your sins, but at that instance, when the blood washed away your sin, you receive the nature of God, his nature of righteousness, his nature that is holy, his nature that 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 that, that sins he receives, that sins cannot stand. And that nature preserves you from sin. Just like what makes a man eyes serve. A man without kidney and some other internal organs cannot live. So righteousness is what makes God. That is his identity. Meanwhile, it's a nature for man to talk, for man to eat, for man to dance. And as a living man, a dead man has not this thing. Has, has, has not that nature. So it is our nature to be righteous, but because we have not got God, we are like a dead man, we cannot have it. So we see the Holy Ghost to quicken us. If you are not born again, it will be quickened. It is there, but it has to be activated. Just as you activate your sin, although it has the potency to connect to the internet, but if you don't activate it and you don't um, recharge on it, and you don't try making contact with it, it will not give you the maximum effect. So the nature is there, dumbass. It is the Holy Ghost that activates it. So God is not trying to correct you. He wants to make you right by putting himself on your, on your inside. To cause you to be alive. He wants your life to express his essence, his glory. That when man look at you, they say, hey, this man has been with God. This man proceed. John chapter 1. I will see him. And we see his glory, his glory like the glory of the begotten son, full of grace and truth. When they saw Christ, he would not need to tell them. They saw it, it speaks. Apostle Paul said, when the pillars of the church saw this grace over me, they gave me the ministry of the Gentiles. They perceived the grace. They start perceiving pregnancy. They come into it. With the Holy Ghost, we return with the Father. We return with the world because they are culture, they are spiritual culture. Righteousness is their culture, it's the nature as well.
So God is not just trying to correct you. He wants to hold you. He's not a boss rolling out job descriptions and codes of conduct or ethics. All he has described and acquired of us is because that is who he is. And because that is who he is, he expects that all his son must be of this nature. As he is who we are. And we must not be that by mouth. We must be that in all ways. Hallelujah. So all God has said that we should be holy, we should be clean, we should be pure in heart. It's the revelation of who he is and who you should be. When the scripture says he made you the righteousness of God, it's not that he made you or he remade you to be as you ought to because you lost that nature. He breathed in you in Christ. He caused you to come alive. Now, because of time, let's look at do a, a, a comparative analysis of righteousness. Against the backdrop of the New Testament theologies on God's righteousness. Now, if you look at what the psalmist wrote in, Psalm, in the book of Psalms, especially those Psalms I've mentioned, Psalm 78, Psalm 100 to 108. You see that they portray God's righteousness to be his power to the labor, to be his love, his commitment to his people, his dealings with his people, and his integrity, which includes plainness and faithfulness. And this is very necessary for all we trust God. Okay, let's quickly see Psalm 78. Hallelujah. Psalm 78. Let's see some few scriptures. That our perception of God, how we see Him, If we can see him as he ought as we ought to be, our faith will be inspired. Our faith is boosted by revelations of who God is and the knowledge of the testimonies of what he had done for others. And that's one of the ways children and parents can help to bring their sons to God, can woo their children for God. You tell them stories of what God had done. And this Psalm chapter 78, as it was the goal of the writer to make us understand what God had done, yet he presented a problem. That one of the reasons why the generation of the children of Israel were rebellious successively in their generations was because their father failed to show them who God is. They never knew God. The same as the all-powerful God, miracle-working God. They never saw that all he did, he did to establish a point. We must know this. Now, chapter 7 to 8. Let's see. 
Give ye all my people, I'm reading from verse 1. To my law, incline thy ears to the word of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parable. I will utter dark sayings from old. I will tell you things you have not known before. Like we are doing now. Which we have heard and have known and our fathers have told us. They were told what God can do. So if you are not told of God's sentence, we may not know it. We can be rest assured. And this is necessary that we can set our hope in God. So that we can die in any situation we are really more than conquerors. That really if God is for us. If you are on the side of God, no devil can stand against us. That God will work so closely on us that we not allow the devil to perform his enterprise, his plans, his intentions. Verse 4. We will deliver, we will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord. Praises means which God had done. And his strength and his wonderful works that he had done. For he had established a testimony in Jacob and appointed the Lord in Israel, which he commanded our father that they should make known to their children and watch it. He had established a testimony. In other words, he had done things that are credible. That when you look at those things, you begin to understand that he that does this is a covenant keeping God. He's worthy. No wonder. In the, in the book of Revelation, the angels keep shouting, Thou are worthy. God never calls anyone to work with him. He wants to bring us to the point where we can see that really is worthy to be followed. That when he tells us, follow me, I will make you really we make. And it will self-make. It will work with him. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel. Which he commanded our father that they should make known unto their children. That the generations to come might know them. Even the children which should be born. Who should rise and declare them to their children. That they might set their hope in God. Why are we studying God's righteousness? If we can see what God has done, if we can see his defense system, if we can see his commitment for us, if we can see his heartbeat for us, if we can see how he deals with our elder brothers, who we see how he can he's dealing with us, how he wants to deal with us, and then we can set our hope in him. Come what you. That they may set their hope in God. And not forget the God, the works of God, but keep his commandment. Let's go to 38 because of the time. 38. Let's read from 36. The reason why the father said that he told his children. They should tell the children rather about the works of God so that they can set their hope. But in 36, we are shocked. The story continues, but I have to cut it. It's a long writer. 
Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouths. And they lied unto him with their tongues. For their heart was thorough with him. Neither were they steadfast in his covenant. But he, now check the attitude of these people to God. They were not steadfast. They were not fixed. They were not consistent. They were not faithful. They are dubious. They were deceits. They were not consistent. But against their own attitudes and disposition, being human, verse 38 said, but he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yet many a time they turned he his anger away and did not tear up all his wrath. For he remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passeth away and cometh not again. Verse 40. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? For God remains faithful. That is the God you are serving. If you can just be consistent. Okay, let me round off by telling you 15 things. Fifteen things. God's righteousness is. And when we round off here in um, the next study, we are going to do the next study. There's no one we'll do it. We are going to look at um, types of righteousness, such as um, self-righteousness, the righteousness of God that can't fail. And we are going to read through scriptures basically. Then we are going to look at um, the basis by which man seeks to connect with God through their conscience, through the works of the law, the deeds of the law, good morals. And then we are going to see the righteousness that comes by faith, just by believing. But for time, I want us to do this one and we pray. We come back to it. And where we are going to round off next time is I want to show you that this righteousness you see in God that is consistent, is a difference, is who he is, he does not change. Nothing affects him. That is what he has given to you in Christ. Because you became the righteousness of God. You are now righteous. But we don't do that by course of conduct. We don't practice what is the call. But when we come to Christ, he made our life that we live our life as though we are learning the law. We don't know a jack of the law. All we know is God and the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost incorporated in our spirit that which is righteousness. Fifteen things. I will not explain them. The love, uh, the righteousness of God is. I, I like them. Number one. God's righteousness is seen in his wisdom. It is seen in his provision for the people. It is seen in his defense. It is seen in his character. 
in his ordination, things he had put in place and his dealings. And as, as we shall see from scriptures in the next study, we will understand. I will show you scriptures on these 15 things I'm about to alight for you on God righteousness. I will show you scriptures. I will show you scriptures. But for now, I won't show you scriptures. Let's just quickly take a look at um, those 15 things. Then we'll pray. I will make it very brief. Number one. God's righteousness is, is dealing with his people. How he bore them on the wings of eagles. I protected them, I gave them good health. Number two, it is God's identity. In first John, we, we read first John chapter 2, verse uh, 29, and chapter 3, verse 7, and verse 10. The Bible says, Whoever is righteous is born of God. And whoever is righteous does righteousness. And anyone that does righteousness is born of God. In other words, righteousness is a divine identity. Number three. Righteousness is who God is. It is God's nature. In other words, Exodus chapter 34, verse 5 to 8. Exodus chapter 3, verse 15. I am the Lord of God. I am that I am. In Exodus chapter 34, we read that God passed before Moses and he proclaimed his name before him. The Lord righteous, merciful. Number four, righteousness is God's faithfulness. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19. God is faithful by whom we are calling to fellowship. God initiated the relationship with us and he stake his integrity to it. He became the basis. And the seal of the covenant introduced. Number five. Righteousness is God as he is and not who he is as we perceive him or as perceived by anybody. Hallelujah. Number six. Righteousness is God's power to deliver. It refers to his love, his commitment to his people, his dealings with his people, his integrity, his consistency. Let's see Psalm 86, verse 5. Okay, that piece talks about God. Is, let's see Psalm 86, verse 5. 86, verse 5. 86, verse 5. I know what it is, but let's read it. For thou, Lord, art God are ready to forgive and plenteous and mercy unto all that call unto him. That's our God, full of mercy. Number seven. It is God's likeness. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 or so. Let us make mine our holy image after our likeness. The word likeness there means righteousness. 
as our nature, having our nature, possessing our traits, carrying our gene. It is God's gene. It is what runs with God. It's the divine software. When God installs it in you, it runs you. Number eight, righteousness. God's righteousness is what is common of God. What can be known of Him. What is observable about Him. What is fond of Him. Which includes His traits, His behavioral patterns. That is, what is consistent of Him. His immutability, as seen in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. God told the house of Jacob, He said, I am the Lord. One thing you must know about me, I do not change. And because I do not change, that's why you have been preserved all the while. The reason why you didn't die in that accident, you escaped because the Lord has not changed. The reason why you are not a victim in your workplace, the reason why your home has not tumbled, the reason why you have not lost your health, the reason why you are still living, you are still brilliant. God remains faithful. Hebrews chapter 6, we saw that God is committed. He has sworn by himself that he will not fail. And by two unchangeable counsels, his oath and himself, his oath, his words, his spirit, his involvement, his, his initiation, the fellowship he has established with us, by those things he can't fail us. So there is hope. Number nine, God's righteousness is his real ability. Reliability. His tenderness. The soft-heartedness of God. His care. His at His interest. His concern for you. And his plainness. Psalm 19. Let's see what that Psalm 19 says. Those ones I'm saying are those ones I can't actually. Psalm 19. What does it say? I don't even know. Let's see it. Psalm 19. Okay, I think I recollect what it's saying now. The heaven declare the glory of the Lord and the firmament sweat is and the work. Day unto the utter speech and night unto night sweat knowledge. This is nature expressing God's faithfulness. So this faithfulness is not just expressed by human. Even in animate objects, we tell that God is faithful. There is no speech in no language where their voices is not heard. Everywhere in the world, the faithfulness of God is proclaimed. See, we say God is not faithful to you. Said billions of angels, billions of the, the, the creature in the galaxy. A shouting faithfulness is God. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their walls to the end of the world. In them as it set a tabernacle for sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of a chamber, and rejoices as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and is circled unto the ends of it, and there is nothing in from the end of Now, you see what this 
writer, you see, you see, trying to convince us that nature itself establishes God's faithfulness, and that the sun had not failed in giving man heat. The moon has not failed, it knows its time. And we see that a lot in Psalm 104 also. When the writer of Psalm told us how God had put things in place. That even the, the beasts in the wilderness, they cannot hungry and thirst. God has put provisions in place for them. The bears, which never saw no spine, things are in place. That's a God that is ordered. Now let's jump to verse 7. The Lord, the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Now check the word. Anytime you see testimony, it means that which God had done. Yes, the psalm says the testimony of the Lord is sure. That which God had done is certain, it is sealed. It is consistent. It is steadfast. Making wise or simple. The status of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the eye. The command of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgment of the Lord are pure and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and honeycomb. Moreover, by them is a servant to one, and in killing them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from all my secret faults. God is faithful. That is the sum of what we've read. Number 11, God's righteousness is the testimony of God's credibility. Psalm 78, we've read the part of it. Number 9, God's righteousness is God's standard of living, the way God lives. It is God's lifestyle. It is a spiritual property, a divine imputation which makes a sinless, which makes a man sinless and keeps him away from sin. I like to mention the imputation. You know, the imputation is a very perfect spiritual principle. You know, Christ, when he was teaching, mentioned that when a man thinks adultery, he said he has done it already. Although he had not slept with a woman. But he has done it already. That is imputation. It's a way of saying to account something for somebody. So that was what God did for us. That what we have not done because Christ did it, it is accounted for our favor of us. All right. Number 13. God's righteousness is opposed to man's nature. And that's why we have to see the righteousness. If we can see the righteousness, we see who we should become in God. And when we see who we become in God, we can begin to request and begin to part that will become that which God is. And that which he had made us, which is his righteousness. And that's one of the core intention of this teaching. That by the grace of God, we will know that our father is a faithful father. And that's what he has created us to be to. And we must be to. So God's righteousness is opposed to man's nature. This part is expressed indiscriminately in Romans chapter 1. 16 to 32, time will not permit us to read through. And in that same portion of scripture, we see that unrighteousness is expressed and explained 
to be anything opposed to God or in opposition to God. Anything in opposition to the truth, in opposition to order, in opposition to eternal life. Unrighteousness can also be called lost. Number 14. God's righteousness is his act. It is his act, his truth, in all his entirety and by all implications. Romans chapter 1, 18 and 25. That which may be known of God is revealed, but to suppress the truth with the ungodliness. In other words, righteousness is the truth. Is that which is known of God. And the last one. Righteousness is that which may be known of God. So that's who you are. So we can trust God, brother. So you don't need to be afraid. You can trust God. So you are going to say, Father, I am seeing you as a faithful father. I refuse to be confused. I refuse to doubt you. Let's round off like this as we pray. Proverbs chapter 1. This is Solomon piece of advice. That one of the reasons why we are seeing our father and see who he is is because that is what develops us. That's how we grow. The word of God says, as we behold him in the mirror, we have been changed. So it is when we see God that our life takes on the image of him that I created us. In this discussion, I'm going to let you see. That it is when we see God, we see that he has recreated us. And the scripture told us what that recreation is. That he has recreated the righteousness. Yes, we just right. Now we should start living who we are. And that's what the writer of the book of Proverbs told us. Proverbs chapter 1, from verse 2. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the word of understanding, to receive instruction of wisdom, justice, just their misrighteousness, and judgment. How to disseminate or deal with people. That's judgment. How to treat matters. How to perceive and understand. In order to administer the truth. And equity. The word equity also means value of a thing. The truth of a thing. To give softly to the simple. To the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man we keep hearing and we increase learning. That's our that's what we are doing. We have got to keep hearing these things that God is facing. You must keep increasing learning. And by this, a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel. What makes us wise is what we expose our heart to. This is the law speaking to us. That may righteous father trust you. 
trust him. Verses. To understand a proverb and interpretation and the words of the wise and their dark sayings. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear my, the instruction of the father, of the father, and forsake not the law of the mother. For there shall be ornament of grace on the neck and shame about thy neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. This is the word of the Lord to us. Anyone who sits with the word of God is supposed not to be confused. This was the secret of Daniel. Maybe this was the passage Daniel read that made him to lay hold on God. And by his tenaciousity, his resolution to follow God. In Daniel chapter 5, the Bible said he had the wisdom to, dis to disobey God. And this portion of scripture we just read now told us that if a man wants to disobey those, the fear of the Lord, reverence for God, he must listen to what God is. He must see him from, he must see him he came from. So can I say, Father, my heart is open to you. I'm seeing you. I want to reflect you. Let the world dominate me. I want to be dominated by who you are. I don't just want to know that we are righteous, Father. I want to know and walk in the reality of my inheritance, of my being, that I am the righteousness of God. I am the expression of God's righteousness. I'm the expression of God's truthfulness, of God's love. Romans chapter 5. Now, why we are here to see now? Christ that was. He expressed his love. His faithfulness made him to come after me. Romans chapter 3. Apostle Paul said, They have all together. No one seek God. No, not one. That's the nature of a natural man. But now we have found the righteous God. Say, Father, I have come to you. Fill me up. Come into my life. Touch my life. I receive supernatural change. In the name of the Lord Jesus, come on, cry to the Lord. Father, help us. Hallelujah. Let's sing this song as we end up. Father, thank you for the song. Hallelujah. Let's sing this song. Hallelujah. 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 I love you, Lord. It's about the faithfulness of God. Oh, and I want us to see it. His mercy never faded. Just just open your heart to God. I'm heading your hands. I know you are faithful. Nothing can make me doubt this fact that you are faithful. My heart is fixed on that fact. Like the psalm says. In Psalm chapter one way, he said, My heart is fixed, oh Lord, my heart is fixed. After he had taken us through the chrono, the, the chronicle of what God had done, he said, My heart is fixed on this fact, on this miracle of ages, on this testimony, on this inheritance. I know you have faith, nothing can make me doubt you. 
of the goodness of God. Thank you for your faithfulness. Father, I give you all the praise because we cannot keep. Sande reboko shataya. Reboko shenwe de masakida makabara nishide. Reboko zubregede na katundo lobrede keskotuna. Miyabra dish katindo roboko sunde. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. 